0: Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of GovInfoSecurity.com and the Information Security Media Group. I'm speaking with Patrick Grotha, a computer scientist who works on biometrics at the National Institute of Standards and Technology. Welcome, Patrick. Hello. What is this role in developing new biometric tools, tests, metrics, and standards, and what type of work is this performing regarding biometrics?
1: NIST executes a function of measurements and standardization in various technical areas, ranging from physics to chemistry to IT. And biometrics is part of the IT laboratory at NIST, and we support standardization of a, a new and emerging field.
0: Where do biometrics fit as a means of authentication and providing access to key federal information systems? What's the current status, and where do you see biometrics as a tool for authentication evolving over the next year, five years, and into the future?
1: Biometrics, of course, allow you to bind the person to the credential so that you have a a technical means of verifying the person is who they say they are. Fingerprints have been used extensively in the past, and they are the main biometric element on the Federal Personal Identity Verification Credential, the PIV card. That credential is is issued to all federal employees and contractors, and I think there are in excess of 3 million of those cards currently being issued. The status of the project is that the PIV card will be extended to include other biometrics uh, going forward, and and the first one of those will be an iris image to give government agencies uh, a second option for using biometric authentication.
0: Let's talk a little bit about the iris. Uh, NIST recently issued a report about iris biometrics, which you helped co-author from the Iris Exchange, known by the acronym IREX. I R E X. So, first off, what is IREX?
1: So IREX is an umbrella program to support iris image interoperability. It's getting away from iris codes, which are proprietary templates, representations of irises, and instead having a standard image. And so IREX supports the formats for those images, the uh, standards for those images, and the properties of those images so we can think about image quality and interoperability and accuracy from the image. The report from IRIX
0: demonstrated that IRIS recognition algorithms can maintain their accuracy and interoperability with compact images, affirming their potential for large-scale management applications, such as the personal identity verification program, cybersecurity, and counterterrorism. First, in this context, what does compact image mean, and why is that significant?
1: For all biometrics, there's a, an operational reality that you want to have small amounts of biometric data, and that's particularly true for biometrically-enabled smart cards, uh, identity credentials, but it's also true for network-based biometric applications like the, the big government agencies would run. And so there's these two use cases. Uh, one is to put the biometric element on a smart card, and then you're interested in a small record of just a few kilobytes. And the other application is the network-centric application where you pass data across a bandwidth-limited network. And in both cases, operational constraints mean that you, you want to use as small amount of data as possible. In the past, The FBI has sponsored work to establish the limits of compression for fingerprints, and there's been work done similarly for face recognition. And the IREX program, one of its tasks was to find out how far you could compress an iris image so that it could be stored on an identity credential or sent across a network.
0: I'm trying to visualize how a smart card would work with iris code in there. Is it like swiping it to identify the card holder and then looking into some kind of mechanism that looks at the iris? How does that work?
1: If we look at, just for a moment, at the e-passport, the electronic passport, that today contains a face image, and that is read across a contactless interface. So there are systems now where you would appear at an airport you would stand in front of a camera, place your passport on a reader, and the, the facial image would be read from the, the passport and compared to an image from the camera. If the images are a match, then that's part of the authentication of the passport and the passport holder. Similarly, with something like a PIV card, you would have the biometric data on the card and you could read, the say, an iris image or a fingerprint template from the card and match it against a newly acquired sample, either as part of physical access control or or logical access control. In either case, you seek to bind the identity, verify the identity.
0: The new research seems to, at least to me, suggest that the images don't have to be made to identify an iris, don't have to be maybe as sophisticated as they once were, is that correct?
1: The image itself has has changed a little bit. Back in 2005, the image format that had been standardized was a polar format and that means the iris texture was sampled circumferentially and radially. Now that format has been deprecated and instead we have what are called rectilinear formats which are really just raster images of the eye grayscale images of the eye and they're somewhat specialized to support compression and that allows iris image to be stored on a smart card credential and it's something like three kilobyte and that's appreciably smaller than for example a face image but somewhat bigger than a fingerprint minutia template.
0: The idea is that it takes up less space and the airflow can be placed in a card or more easily sent through an I, uh, information system. Thus, would make the use of iris recognition as a biometric more usable. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, that's correct. The smaller that you can make the image, the faster it will be read from the card and the more usable the system will be.
0: At some point, would the card be necessary? If I'm going to seek access, whether it's to a physical facility or to an IT system, if there is somewhere in the database my iris, why would I need the token in addition to just having that scanned?
1: You would not, and and certainly there are applications where biometric data is used in a one-to-many mode without the presentation of a credential. So my gymnasium just requires me to put a fingerprint on a sensor and it compares me with 2,600 people that are members of that gym, and it says, am I one of them or not? So am I allowed into the gym or not? Similarly, you can do that with an iris, and iris is quite suitable for one-to-many applications like that. And, of course, 2,600 is not that big a population compared to, say, a national-scale ID system. There are operational systems that work with iris today in that mode.
0: So it depends on, obviously, the system that you're dealing with, whether you would need a token or not.
1: Right, and the operational requirements, if you present a token, then that takes some time, and it's better to do things in a one-to-many mode if that throughput is a constraint for you.
0: Where are we now in the sense of having these applications being very practical using the IRIS as a biometric tool to gain access to a system?
1: So there's been considerable investment in IRIS camera technology, both uh, government investment and also private sector investment, venture capital The number of camera providers and the number of algorithm providers have increased in the last five years by something like an order of magnitudes. The iris recognition industry is somewhat bigger than the, the face recognition industry. Both of them are quite a bit smaller than the fingerprint industry. That investment in iris capture technology and iris recognition technology is giving a lot more options for people to use iris recognition.
0: Is iris a better biometric than fingerprints?
1: You know, that's a very difficult question to ask, and it's sort of the most common question to be asked. Iris is a biometric. Fingerprint is a biometric. To evaluate which one is better, you really want to think about what's the application. If the application requires that somebody cannot touch the sensor, then fingerprint is off the table. In some cultures, much of the the body is covered up. A headscarf would obviously prevent face recognition, and at that point, iris recognition would come into its own. So, which is the best biometric is not really the right question. It's which is the most appropriate biometric.
0: Let me get back up a bit. The ability to create uh, biometrics that require less code does that also help in the sense of the reading device that you could maybe have, a, maybe a standard camera that you don't necessarily have to put your eye up against something. You just you know make sure your eyes open, and snap a photo, and then check the iris.
1: The format for the the image that comes out of an iris camera. It doesn't have so much to do with the actual function of the iris camera, so there's a lot of effort being put into iris camera technology to make them easier to use. Now you can capture iris uh, from somebody who's standing just a few meters from the camera, and also people who are moving towards the camera. Both of those cases relax the constraints around the capture, and that opportunity allows you to capture an image more quickly, and that can be operationally useful. But the image itself will come out of that camera and be passed to a, a recognition algorithm downstream.
0: So, could you have a system set up, sort of like EasyPass, you know, just capturing people as they walk through a, an area?
1: Certainly, and that's being tested and evaluated. And companies have products aimed at just that application.
0: Are biometrics something that should or could replace passwords and other forms of authentication? I mean, this way you don't have to store passwords or PIN numbers and things like that that often could be stolen.
1: Certainly, that's been an argument that's been made for, for biometrics for, for a long time. It hasn't quite come to fruition, and I'm not really sure of the reasons why. It may be economics of, of the prospect, or it may be that some people are unable to present the biometric in the general case. And that corresponds to some people forgetting their PIN, but the PIN can be replaced and the biometric cannot.
0: Would we be more secure if we didn't have to worry about storing things such as PINs and passwords?
1: Uh, that argument has been made, too. I, I haven't done an analysis of this in any detail, and, it, and it, it's an issue that, because it's security-related, warrants some analysis.
0: What are some of the challenges in making iris scanning more practical as a mean of authentication?
1: The challenges are uh, image technology uh, and how you capture an iris, and, and a lot of work has been done there. Um, the standardization aspect has been largely covered now with the revision of the ISO iris image standard, which is expected in 2010. And then iris recognition algorithms themselves are are still the subject of a considerable amount of work, and that centers around uh, finding the iris in an image. Once you found the iris, it's usually possible to match it with high accuracy, but the iris segmentation problem, that initial detection and segmentation, is still a subject of research.
0: The idea is that as a means of authenticating the data from an iris, that you don't need the entire iris, just use a segment of the iris.
1: You do need the, the entire iris. It's better to have the entire iris, but you want to locate it correctly. So you don't want to find part of the eye socket, for example, and think that's the iris. And, and some algorithms will make mistakes like that. They're, they have to run in an automated mode, and they may actually find the wrong object in the scene.
0: So that's still a a challenge, then, to come up with these algorithms that can correctly identify the iris.
1: Right. You know, the eyelids can occlude the iris. There can be eyelashes. There can be some reflections. Mm -hmm. And and these things are an image processing challenge. Uh, To some extent, there's been an enormous amount of work that's been done on that, and the technology has improved.
0: So how promising do you find iris and other kinds of biometric technologies, and do you find iris the most promising?
1: To answer that question, you really need to to roll out the various biometrics in the application that you're targeting. So if it was physical access control into a federal workplace, for example, you should really run some kind of scenario test or, or operational pilot to see which technology is capable of being used in that environment. And some of that depends, for example, on whether the users of the system are a cooperative or not and are familiar with the system or not. If they use it daily, that's somewhat different than using it just every six months. These factors, these measurements that you would have to make are what would drive decision on what's the best biometric.
0: It's interesting. I don't know whether this is something you consider when you develop standards or other forms of testing, but the human factor, human element, how comfortable an individual is with using a certain form of data, whether it's a biometric or or a PIN, in verifying who they are.
1: Yes, certainly. The, the human factor aspect is intrinsic to the whole biometric field, of course, because we start off with a, an analog object, a fingerprint or an iris or a face, and, and we digitize it and then pass it to a computer algorithm. So that interface, of course, is subject to human factors work. And the discipline of testing, which is usually scenario testing, has long understood that people present to systems in varied ways. Not everybody can hold their head up to a face recognition camera or an iris camera. Not everybody can flatten their palm for a hand geometry reader. And some people don't have fingerprints. And it's handling these cases and understanding that they exist, which is the driver for the operational use of biometrics.
0: When you develop standards or metrics, are you ever concerned about privacy issues?
1: Certainly, there's been standardization efforts around the security of biometric data and the privacy of biometric data. Using cryptography to protect biometric data is an ongoing topic. Using something called cancelable biometrics is another approach to looking after privacy. A third approach is to do match on card, which involves template that's, uh, or a biometric sample that's always stored on the credential and never leaves the credential.
0: Patrick, I thank you very much. You're very welcome. I've been speaking with Patrick Grotha, a computer scientist who works on biometrics at the National Institute of Standards and Technology. For GovInfoSecurity.com and the Information Security Media Group, I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.